What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. It's Tuesday, December 1st, and somebody we know is having a birthday in 10 days. Wow. I cannot believe another birthday is coming. And to be honest with you, this is one of the most excitable birthdays I'm going to experience. I can't believe. I am actually looking forward to my birthday this year. I don't know if it has anything to do with surviving the pandemic, right? And (laughs) I'm laughing just by saying that. But I think it has a lot to do with the issue of survivability, just simply surviving the pandemic and knowing that you are still here. So today being December 1st, it is World AIDS Day. And uh, I wanted to talk a lot about how HIV and AIDS are perceived generally by the public and how uh, how has the government's response been towards those who are testing for HIV or who are living with HIV and how comparable it is as a pandemic, because that's what it is, it's a global crisis, and how are we treating it? Are we still, do we still have hang-ups about it? Do we still have prejudices and implicit biases that we are bringing into it? And how are policymakers responding to it, especially in light of the pandemic that we're currently in, the coronavirus? I imagine that folks who have been treating HIV, epidemiologists and scientists, and others and the front lines of treating HIV are probably aghast at us going crazy over the coronavirus when HIV is just as much a pandemic as the coronavirus is. So I wanted to start off by saying today's World AIDS Day. There are many ways to uh, get tested. I was reading on the web just before coming on that there are drive-through testing sites that have been erected. One of the concerns that I had prior to the start of the coronavirus pandemic was this very same issue, that communities of color in particular who have higher incidences of HIV transmission and HIV rates were going to be the most impacted by uh, the coronavirus. Those statistics have not yet come forward. How many people who had comorbidities and who succumbed to the coronavirus and and that has been displayed out or even just not talking about it. But we don't know yet what that looks like. I guess we will know afterwards. But we knew going in that communities where HIV rates and transmission rates are highest were going to experience greater numbers in the coronavirus. And I know most of us are like, well, it doesn't affect me. Uh, It doesn't affect not my problem, but it is a societal problem. It's, it's a problem if you think about it. If you're having sex, it's a problem because you don't know if the person you're having sex with is not having sex with someone who has the virus. What assurances do you have simply? 
And uh, part of the problem surrounding this is our own perceptions and our own implicit biases that we bring to the center of it, that we bring to the core. And I want to underscore those and talk about those today because I think it's important that as we move forward, that we understand what this is so that we can treat it and give it as much attention and attach and ensure that there are enough social policies to handle this pandemic as much as we're treating the coronavirus. And I wanted to read some statistics from around the world. I know ABC News on their website, they're talking about AIDS in Africa. And I was aghast. (laughs) I'm like, I don't live in South Africa. I live in America. Tell me what AIDS is like in America. Don't make it sound like AIDS is an African problem only. As a matter of fact, the statistic that I'm going to read to you, listen to this, is showing that in Eastern Africa and Southern Africa, AIDS, they have seen a 38% decrease in AIDS. Whereas in Eastern Europe and Central Asia, there has been a 72% increase in AIDS. So I'm calling out ABC News. Go get your, go get your act together. Talk about AIDS and give the correct numbers. Don't focus on the fact. Don't, let it, don't, don't picture it and create a messaging around World AIDS Day as if this is an African problem when we have a mammoth problem right here in the United States. My God, the implicit biases jumped out, didn't they? Yeah, we call it racism. Racism in healthcare, because basically the treatment and testing around HIV comes down to that, doesn't it? Uh, It's amazing. I didn't know that I thought like that about it until I woke up this morning and realized it's World AIDS Day. And I'm like, I myself have not talked about AIDS. Because it doesn't affect me, right? So I haven't talked. I don't know anyone personally who is living with AIDS or who has contracted AIDS. So it hasn't affected me or come home to me. And the media has not focused on it and made it a a blanket issue. So me too, I come through it with with my own implicit biases without recognizing that this is a pandemic. And that this is something that we need to talk about. Because often what we do is we, we we color these issues. We colorize them and we place them in boxes that if it doesn't line up with our demographics and if it doesn't line up with our prevailing ideologies on what society should look like, we dismiss them. And when I look at, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed that all across the spectrum, whilst they talk about World AIDS Day, they focus on what Africa is doing. Can we focus on what we're doing here in the United States? We have a a viral pandemic caused by a virus that we breathe in, coupled with a sexual pandemic caused by a virus transmittable by us touching and having sex with one another. And we're just going to act as if that does not exist. Let me give you some facts. Response to the pandemic is faulty, The the AIDS pandemic, because it's based upon social policies and policies by policymakers worldwide. This is a worldwide problem. Africa has done a much better job of controlling the virus and stopping it and controlling it more than other countries of the world. Uh, You know, I won't talk about myths. I'm sticking to the facts, right? The facts are, this is what happened, right? So let me read you some stuff that I, some notes that I made when I was reading this. Uh, there's, there are a couple of issues that I want to talk about. Uh, 
let me give you this statistic. One in seven Americans have contracted AIDS. It's people living with AIDS. One in seven. So if there are seven of us in a room, one out of that group of seven has contracted AIDS or is living with AIDS. How does that make you feel when you think about that? That should be something to think about. When you think about the treatment of AIDS, epidemiologists and science, as we know, science has no color, no barriers. Science is just science. However, what happens is that whilst they have better drugs now to treat AIDS, the distribution of those drugs is largely dependent on social policy. So here in America, for instance, if they're already fighting about Obamacare because it was started by a black president that is going to favor people of color, there's already racism in healthcare. What do you think happens? If somebody thinks that they slept with someone who has AIDS or who is likely to have been tested for HIV, do you think they're going to come forward? How accessible is testing? I don't know what that feels like, but I can just imagine because there's widespread racism in healthcare. I'm going to imagine that if you walk into your doctor's office or your clinic, wherever you live, and you say, I think I've been exposed to AIDS, I imagine the whole place goes empty in just a bit. I'm not going to fault anyone for that. That's human nature. We're all trying to survive. But the attitude, and a lot of people get sensitive about the attitudes around AIDS, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that nobody wants to get it because it's just like the coronavirus, it's life-changing. Once you get it, whether you get it uh, by exposure or whether you get it sexually, exposure, you could be a healthcare worker or maybe you got some faulty, um, you were using drugs and you use needles that others who have AIDS have used. Those are areas of concern. Or if you had sex with a man who has sex with women, a gay man, men who have sex with men, and bisexual men, men who have sex with both men and women. If you are in, in those positions, then you are most likely to have come in contact with, with, with AIDS. And a lot of that, our prevailing attitudes on this is, is something else. It's not just in America. It's around the world because I just read to you a statistic that says in Eastern Europe and Central Asia, 72% of people are living with AIDS. That is extremely high. Eastern Europe, you know, the place where Melania comes from, right? Eastern Europe. Why is it high there? Attitudes. People don't seem to accept or, or just deal with the fact that there are people, there are men who have sex with other men. And that there are men who have sex with both men and women. I think we need to, and there are men who have sex with sex workers. I think we need to just accept certain things moving forward. One of the attitudes that I have found that inhibits testing and accessibility to testing and prevents people from coming forward is our own societal attitude. We criminalize the wrong people. Why are we criminalizing sex workers? Why are we criminalizing people who have choose to have sex with whomever they want to have sex with? I object to people having sex with children and animals. Clearly, adults who are engaged in consenting sex, why are we criminalizing that? In, a, in, a, in Eastern Asia, for instance, in Eastern Europe and Central Asia, one of the things they found that curbed AIDS and Central Asia, one of the things they found that curbed AIDS is guess, is guess what? You, you guessed it, right? decriminalizing 
attitudes. Governments used to criminalize people, especially in Eastern Africa. They would criminalize people who showed up at testing sites to get tested. Part of the reason why AIDS was so rampant across Africa was that people would not show up because when they showed up, they were criminalized or they were bludgeoned or beaten. So people just didn't show up. So AIDS kept spreading and spreading and spreading out of control. Once sensitization happened and education happened, people became more normalized, I should say, about it. And consequently, people were able to come forward and get tested. This is important because we have the same attitudes in America. I mean, as Christian as we are, how many people go to church and jump up? We see right now they want to tear the Constitution apart so they can go to churches and create super spreader events. I'm going to tell you right now, if there's a pastor who tells you that you must come to church and that that's the only way you're going to access and get a prayer to God, do not listen to him. He's not a preacher. He's not of God. He's a man who is watching his pocket and his popularity. Trust me on that, okay? Because this churches are super spreader events. So you have these people that come faith because they don't do any of the, follow any of the ideas set down by Jesus Christ. It's just a movement they see where, hey, I can profit from that movement and make money. It's a movement filled with emotionalism and fervency, and the people seem to be loyal. Let me join that movement kind of thing, right? So here in America, we have these fake Christians who say, oh, men should not have sex with men. But behind closed doors, they do. So it's like they are saying, do what I say, but not what I do. These are also some of the contributing factors to AIDS. Men who have sex with men, they don't, they, they don't say, well, they're not going to come out and say they're gay and that they're homosexual, meaning exclusively having sex with men. They're not going to come out and say that. They just do what they do while they criticize other men and other people who are doing the same thing. We have to change these attitudes. We have to stop. The way we address that is by changing our attitudes to human sexuality. We've got to come to grips with that. People, men having sex with men is not a new phenomenon. This has been going on forever. Why are we criminalizing people? Why are we going to lock up a sex worker and criminalize her while she could be infected? So the police locks her up. He could be exposed if there's a scuffle or if she has a scratch or he has a scratch, right? You take them to the jail. There are other people there who could be exposed as well. You lock them in a cell. You're worried about social distancing at that point, are you? Look at the coronavirus. We let people out of jail because we recognize that social distancing was required to control the virus. But people who are sex workers, we lock them up in cells with other people as if nothing can happen. It's your own fault. Was it people's fault to get the coronavirus? No. Largely, no. Even if they're stupid enough to have gathered together on Thanksgiving and now create several super spreader events that are just going to surge and surge and surge until it's totally out of control. They still should have had some serious come-to-Jesus moments with themselves. But at the same time, we got to recognize that people are inherently people. They're not always going to do what we think is best for them. So let them be. And, and these attitudes around sex, painting, let me talk about this. Let me just say this. Painting the attitude around gay men and bisexual men and men who have sex with men as if 
It is confined to just racial minorities and ethnic minorities is very wrong. A white gay man who walks into a clinic or who walks into his doctor and says, I have sex with men and I have, you know, I want to be tested is treated very differently than a Hispanic or Latino male or a black male who walks into his doctor's office or into a clinic and says, I have been exposed because I have sex with men. Do you see what I'm saying? So we, we categorize this and put this in this category. We, in America, we put people in class groups. And we say it only happens to those people. And so we don't treat it as it is. AIDS is a pandemic. There are people dying from AIDS. I'm looking at a statistic on cdc.gov. You can go look it up yourself. Here are some facts to think about. In 2018, 34,000 people contracted AIDS. That's a lot. In America, one in seven persons are living with AIDS in the USA. Listen to this. Men who have sex with men account for 69% of the 37,000 new HIV diagnoses in the United States. However, the number of HIV diagnoses has remained stable and has decreased, in fact, from 2014 to 2018. Uh, the number of diagnoses from 2014 through 2018, the number of diagnoses of HIV infection from transgender male to female and transgender female to male adults and adolescents increased. We need to pay attention to that. When your, uh, your child comes to you and tells you that they're not sure what gender they are, you need to talk to them about sex and HIV. We need to have this conversation. In other words, what I'm saying is normalize the conversation around sexually transmitted diseases as much as we have normalized the conversation around the coronavirus infection. We've got to level the playing field, treat them both for what they are, which is they're a pandemic, they're a virus that is killing people. It's the same thing. We hated the fact that during the coronavirus pandemic, we discovered that racism in healthcare accounted for the early deaths of African Americans and, and Latino people. We hated that. Then the virus spread to other uh, ethnic groups and to other communities. We talked about that excessively. Well, now we need to address HIV with as much fervency and urgency as much as we have used it to address uh, uh, HIV, uh, the coronavirus infection. I can't say it enough. These numbers are alarming. We don't talk about them because, frankly, we don't think it doesn't happen to us. We're very selective of the conversations that we have. We're very, uh, and those conversations are motivated by our own biases about how we feel about people. It is the truth, right? I didn't even know this myself, that in 2018, the largest percentage of HIV infection was from transgender male to female adults aged 25 to 29 years. I did not know that. Why are we not having these conversations? That's dangerous. <sighs> Homosexuals and people who inject drugs. The number of infections attributed to heterosexual contact decreased. So straight people having sex with straight people, the, the, the HIV uh, infection rate dropped amongst those, that group. In 20, 
2018, 24% of HIV diagnoses were attributed to heterosexual contact. So where did you get it from in the first place? But HIV diagnosis increased among people who inject drugs, with notably increases occurring among the white population. Right? All right, look at this. Uh, by race and ethnicity, HIV diagnosis decreased amongst African Americans. Among all races, the highest rate was 39.2 for African Americans. You know where a lot of that comes from? People in jail. Think about it. A lot of people are in jail. It's all same sex. Something is bound to happen. It, it makes you wonder if that was not a directed racial move. Yeah. HIV diagnosis decreased amongst Hispanics and Latinos was 16.4%. It increased for Native Hawaiians and other Pacific Islanders. But it remained stable among American Indians and Alaska Natives. Oh, my goodness. Folks, we got a problem. All right, so you want to know which states had the highest rates of infection. Listen to this. In 2018, the highest rate, listen to this, were 15.6% in the South. In the Northeast, 9.9. In the West, 9.7 and 7.2% in the Midwest. The highest diagnoses are concentrated in certain geographic areas. Listen to this, more than 50% occurred in 48 counties, Washington, D.C., and San Juan, Puerto Rico. In other words, what we're saying is this. Geography is geopolitical. The South is traditionally Southern, conservative, ultra-conservative, rabid conservatism, denial of people's rights, conservative, hatred of people of color, conservative, that's who the South is. The South also has politicians who don't believe in widespread health care for their own population. The South has the highest poverty rate among states in the United States. It's no wonder that HIV increase in rates would be highest in the South. Good God Almighty. So what is there? A direct link between poverty and HIV. So you, you, you have sex but you don't have the means to curtail it. You're human. You're going to want to have sex with whomever you're having sex with. Maybe you can't get widespread distribution of condoms. Why aren't we doing that? They have vaccines for AIDS. Why aren't they distributing it? I'm just saying, <laughs> why aren't they distributing it? Like, what's the hang-up about distributing widespread distribution of vaccine for AIDS? They're about to distribute a vaccine for the virus that has not been tested on human bodies. You think I'm taking that junk? I don't, I'm not a guinea pig. I'm not going to die in a year or two because you gave me something that jacked me up and I start acting like a zombie. I'm not going to do that. But you can't give widespread vaccination for AIDS? In the South, where politicians go to Washington and vote against FEMA and FEMA aid to Southern uh, constituencies that are subject to weather phenomena like hurricanes and, and uh, storm surges. You vote against aid 
and then your own people get sick and your own people are impacted by widespread weather phenomena and you, you, you vote against it. What's up with that? That's pure racism. It's as clear as day. Here in the Midwest, the infection rate is 7.2 because the Midwest largely has more uh, progressive governors, whether they're even Republican or Democrat. So they ensure that their populations are taken care of with what is called health care. A provision in the Obamacare Act was for states to retain uh, Medicare, Medicaid rather, so that they can uh, you know, distribute uh, health care to the people who need it. Listen to me very carefully. It makes no sense we act like people don't need health care. It makes no sense we act like people don't need to have, uh, people won't get sick. It makes no sense that we act like that. I don't understand where this ultra-conservatism has come from that wreaks, has been wreaking havoc on people. This is not being conservative. Right now in the Republican Party, the base of the Republican Party are white working class people. They're poor, in other words. That's a nice way to say they're poor. They don't have money. They need health care, widespread health care. Part of what they're feeling bad about is their march. They need to get it, but they're pretending that they're part of the elite group and the rest of the elite group is sitting back and laughing at them whilst enjoying the power that sweeps through legislatures, legislators all over the country. It's the most disgraceful thing ever. Why is the infection rate of HIV highest in the South? The same people who go to Washington and tear down Obamacare and tear down Obamacare, not for any reason, not because Obamacare is a bad policy, but just because it was by a black man. The same tenets of Obamacare were what Mitt Romney used for uh, health care in, in, in Massachusetts. How come nobody is making that connection? How come the Republicans, are, how come even Romney himself? It's silent because it's about racism. No other justification exists. Where there is poverty, there will always be imbalance in every area of life, especially our health. Is it like saying poor people should not have access to health care? This is why viruses continue on the increase. Because we don't take care of people. What you don't understand when you are so racist, that you become blinded by your racism, is that with infections, you really can't control it. So you might start out by saying, well, if one group of people like the Republicans, the Jared Kushner et al, said, well, it's only blue states, let's blame the governors for that. What you don't understand is that it spreads like wildfire because it's an infection. You can't control it. So eventually, your people, whom you associate with, will get it. Because you don't live in a bubble. We breathe the same air. With HIV, people have sex with people. You'd be surprised. If you talk to any sex workers, they will tell you who they're having sex with. They will tell you about the Mercedes and the Range Rovers that pull up on their corner. They will tell you about Dr. So-and-so, Mr. Politician, so-and-so, Mr. Pastor, so-and-so. Yes, they will tell you who pulls up to have sex with sex workers. Did you really think that people who earn $15 an hour are the ones buying sex, are the ones buying drugs seriously? Are you really going to listen to Hollywood showing you that people who can barely feed their families, Hollywood likes to present this poverty thing, like people who can barely find money to feed their families are the ones who are buying sex and drugs. 
are you really that simplistic? You're going to believe this? Not by a long shot. No. It's people with disposable income, people with affluence, people with influence, who if the police stop them, they won't get criminalized because of their affluence. That's who is buying sex. Buying sex, men having sex with men, gay men, bisexual men who are still in the closet, who haven't come out. And they're spreading infection rates. Do they, are they really going to come out and say so? No. We need to change our attitudes about human sexuality. We need to stop criminalizing sex workers and criminalizing people, knowing very well that we have a son or a daughter or a nephew or a niece or our stepchildren or our brothers and sisters, a cousin, a neighbor who is in this group. We need to stop criminalizing people. These facts. Don't lie. As Mr. Raffensperger, Raffensperger said, the gentleman who is the Secretary of State in Georgia said, numbers do not lie. These are the facts. I'm going to give you a breakdown by state in just a bit so that you understand exactly what we're dealing with here. In the south, of HIV infection is high. Why are we not doing something about containing this virus? Just like they were reluctant to deal with the coronavirus because it did not impact white uh, Anglo-Saxon Protestants, <laughs> and it did not impact elite Republicans until it did in October. Whilst it didn't impact them, let the poor people, let the blacks and the brown people, let them deal with that. Same methodology, same people who create those same policies who are fighting for Obamacare and want Obamacare to be repealed are the same people who are making sure that poor people in the South who are infected with AIDS, whether they get it through a needle, whether they get it through sexual contact, whatever form of sexual contact it is, they're making sure those people don't have access to health care. It's shameful. We all should be ashamed. We should be ashamed that we seriously look at human beings and ascribe to them values that are inhuman. We should be ashamed of our humanity. We should confront our humanity and look at one another as if I am going to disregard you because of who you have sex with. I am disregarding you because of the color of your skin, because of your geography, because of your demography. I am going to disregard you because I don't value you as a human being. We should be ashamed of ourselves. And when the AIDS crisis that is rampant is going to take over because it's going to spread more widely, because there are people who have sex with each other. There are people who same-sex people, especially males, who have sex with each other, regardless of socioeconomics, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of racial disparities. They are going to show up with AIDS and the coronavirus. Yesterday, on Twitter, a doctor posted a video, and he said, this is what it looks like just before you die if you get sick with the coronavirus. It was eye-opening. He showed they, they press you out 40 times to get you to be resuscitated, to get your heart started again, restarted. And then they hold a light to infect something, to intubate you, 
to pull the stuff out of your lungs, to put air into your lungs to breathe. We need to do that with AIDS. We need to treat people better than we are treating them right now. Let me read you some more statistics. It's mind-blowing. I think I'm a little disturbed. Do you mind, people? I'm going to give you the statistics in just a moment. According to the CDC, 1.2 million people in the United States, age 13 and older, are living with HIV at the end of 2018. About 14% or one in seven people living with HIV in the U.S. don't know it and need testing. I think that's shocking. Right? So one in seven people living with HIV in the U.S. don't know it and need testing. Can we just say, just like the coronavirus, HIV diagnosis is crucial. Early diagnosis is crucial. Everyone aged 13 to 64 should be tested at least once. People at higher risk of exposure should be tested annually. So if you know you are engaging in behaviors that put you at risk, you should be tested annually. Sexually active gay and bisexual, ben- and bisexual men should have more frequent tests. It's recommended three to six months. Young people are most likely to be unaware of their infection. 44 point, in 2018, 44.9% of young people aged 13 to 24 who were living with HIV were unaware of their infection. That is shocking. <laughs> I have a young person. <laughs> From 2014 to 2018, the percentage of people living with undiagnosed HIV infection increased among people ages 13 to 24. So that's kind of the age gap, 13 to 24. I want to say 35 to 44 kind of decreased because by now people know what you know sexual behaviors they should and what patterns they have and how they should curb those patterns or manage it better. But the age group is 13 to 44. But the younger population, 13 to 24, are likely to be engaged in in behavior, in risky behaviors that they're not aware that they have HIV. Oh, my God. This is is something. In 2018, there were 15,000 deaths from, from adults and adolescents with HIV in the U.S. I can't believe that. Oh, so we got to talk about this, right? Ending HIV in America. There was one of the statistics that I wanted us to look at. And uh, I wanted us to look at it. The number, we talked about that one. We talked about the HIV, um, it's remained stable, but we need to look at this. We need to look at this. This is something to think about. So now I want to give you the breakdown by state because Republican lawmakers in the South love, love to cut off health care for people who are at risk, for people who, are, who, are, uh, who need the help that they need to get, right? So the goal is to have a 75% reduction in new HIV infections by 2025 and a 90% reduction by age 30, by 2030, right? Uh, But here's the thing. They have a whole thing. But when I look at the map, the geographic hotspots are the 48 counties 
including D.C. and San Juan, Puerto Rico, uh, are have a high. Let me tell you what those 48 counties are. Oh, my God. You ready for this? Arizona. I'm just going to tell you. Arizona. Maricopa County, which is the most populous county. So expect that these are going to look like the counties with the most populations, the most populous counties, right? Maryland, Massachusetts. Let me look for Michigan, Wayne County, Michigan. Hey, you all, you all know who you are out here. Wayne County, Michigan. I frankly, I don't know how they didn't include Macomb County because they they do the most. Anyway, they have the most affluence and so on. So I guess they don't, right? Uh, Illinois, Illinois only has Cook County. So again, these are going to sound like the most populous counties. In Indiana, Mariana County. In Pennsylvania, Philadelphia County. Uh, In uh, New York, Bronx, Kings, New York, and Queens. In Georgia, these counties around Atlanta may sound familiar. Cobb, DeKalb, Fulton, and Gwinnett. Florida, Broward. Duval, Hillsborough, Miami-Dade, Orange, Palm Beach, and Pinellas. In California, these are all heavily populated counties. I should share this with you all, shouldn't I? Texas, of course. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Okay, so the southern states, you ready for this? It's going to sound like, it's going to sound like how the election sounded. You remember John King's map? On, on, on CNN during the elections, on election night and the days afterwards. This is what this the states with, with high HIV infections are going to sound like. You ready? Alabama, Arkansas, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Oklahoma, and South Carolina. What do they all have in common? They're red states. They vote red. The population, the po- poverty levels in those states are remarkable, and they are run by Republican governors and Republican politicians who don't like Obamacare. There you have it. That's the problem. See what it comes down to at the end of it all on the eighth day. What it comes down to is not just our attitudes. It's that social policies and political agendas by lawmakers and policymakers are what is preventing help to the community that is suffering from AIDS. AIDS is a pandemic and has been. Remember the height of it back in the 80s when suddenly we discovered AIDS? Suddenly we discovered the difference between HIV and AIDS, and everybody suddenly became aware that you should not have sex without a condom with someone whom you're not in a monogamous relationship with because you run the risk of exposure. Because a lot of us, our attitudes have not changed. I know in the African-American community that people are sometimes reluctant to wear condoms for whatever reasons, it's a social inhibition, I guess. But yet, that accounts for the high rate of infection. Now, remarkably, the HIV infection amongst uh, uh, heterosexual people is decreasing, but there shouldn't be. (laughs) The question is, well, where did you get it in the first place? Did you get it through exposure, drugs, or a blood transfusion? Or did you get it by having contact with someone who has AIDS, well, where did they get it? So are we still doing contact tracing? What we have found is that much like the coronavirus, there is contact tracing. There is contact tracing within HIV infection, but they have, we criminalized that. Remember George Bush had come out with, if you have AIDS with someone, if you, get, if you have sex with someone and give them AIDS, 
you should uh they should be tried for murder because AIDS was such a life threatening illness. Remember that? We need to decriminalize sex workers. I'm not talking about someone who ran, knows that he has AIDS. Just like the man at the MAGA march who breathes on someone knowing that he has the coronavirus, so he breathes on someone. That's public disturbance. They should pay for that. But criminalizing people for whom this is a lifestyle, they're, and they're having sex with each other. So they're not going out, and it, it's not homicidal where they're seeking to have sex with people without telling them that they have. That's a different thing. That's a moral obligation, but they should also be tried for that. But people who, this is their lifestyle, men who have sex with men, gay men, bisexual men, that's their lifestyle. You can't criminalize people for that. If that is the case, then you have a whole lot of people to go look up, man. You have a whole lot of people to go after. I don't know that we have the resources to do that. But what we need to do on this World AIDS Day is to adjust our attitudes. And we need to treat AIDS as the pandemic that it is, which is in much the same way that we are creating a vaccine for widespread distribution to stop the coronavirus. In much the same way, we should have widespread vaccines to people who have contracted AIDS. We need to remove the stigma in a lot of situations it has been. But when we look at the South, they're at a disadvantage economically by public policy. And they're also at a dis- disadvantage by health because regional attitudes impact the access to healthcare. I'm a little alarmed that the number of people 13 to 24 who could be living with HIV and are unaware. So they're having sex with people who are having sex with other people who are having sex with other people and nobody thinking of using condoms. So I say to anybody, if you're having sex with anybody, you might think it's a monogamous relationship. Because if you, but if you don't live in the same house with them, how can you be sure who they're having sex with? It's risky enough. You don't even know who they're having sex with when you do live with them, married or not. Much less, this is your boyfriend. You don't live in the same house. So you don't know who they're seeing when you're not around. They're not going to tell you. So anybody who is having sex, should make sure that you are having sex. If it's a monogamous relationship, you're in the same house, okay. But if it's not, use a condom. It's not about them. It's about you. Do you want to live? What quality of life do you want? At the end of the day, it comes down to that. It's just like the coronavirus. I don't want to get the coronavirus, so I mask up. I don't go out without my mask. The other thing I don't do, I wash my hands frequently. I use hand sanitizer. I keep hand sanitizer in my car so that I can sanitize my hands after I touch surfaces. I change my clothes when I come home. I make sure, do you understand what I'm saying? You wash your floors with bleach, right? You clean your your areas, spray bleach, disinfect spray. You can't find that anymore. That went with the pandemic. Karen and company have that all in their garages and basements stored out. They could sell the rest of us some. Give it up, Karen. Right? So when you look at it, you have to ask yourself, these are the attitudes. So we have this social dilemma. That's what it comes down to. AIDS is a social dilemma. We, now they have drugs that you can test positive for AIDS and the treatments. If you follow it, eventually it reduces the number of AIDS antibodies 
in, in your system. So you, when you test, you will actually get a negative test. At that point, people are saying, well, you really don't have AIDS. To me, that's still not fair. You don't have to test. I think as you have a moral obligation to say, I have been exposed to HIV. We are going to use a condom, right? Regardless of what your testing may show, you should still say it to someone. I think you should. You still should. Not for any other reason, but it's the right thing to do. It's just like I can't. If somebody contracts the coronavirus around me, I don't want you to breathe on me. Well, in the same way, I don't want to have sex with someone who has been exposed. And the reason why people are reluctant to say it is because of the stigma, the societal attitude. Why do we hate each other? Why do we hate people? Why can't we just see people as people? We are human beings. We are all human beings. Why do we create these hierarchical structures around ourselves and assign and ascribe attributes to ourselves that separate us from each other and then turn around and we have a pandemic that impacts all of us and impacts our quality of life? AIDS is a pandemic. And just like it was stigmatized because it occurred in Africa to make it sound like only black people get it, white people get it. Where are the numbers for that? That is almost impossible. Where are the numbers? Why are we not reporting the numbers? Where's the numbers for that? Where's the numbers for white sex workers who contract AIDS? Where are the numbers for white men who have sex with men? Where, is, where are those numbers? I want to see those numbers. Level the playing field. On this World AIDS Day, let us level the playing field. We need to work at it. Make HIV testing free across it. Yes, we can do that. Put it in the insurance. Let people have access to testing. Let them have access to treatment. We can do it. Make it accessible, especially in southern states. It's just shameful. Just shameful. Can you imagine if you live in Georgia? Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, Missouri. What do you do? Move to Michigan, Ohio, Indiana? Is that what you're going to do? Move to New York, California, just to get away from those attitudes? Crazy stuff. And we call ourselves, we say that we are progressive and that we are a nation who loves people and love one another. It's not looking up. The numbers are not lying. It's not looking that way. So on this AIDS day, go get tested and try to keep yourself safe from the coronavirus. You don't want to be hit with a double whammy. My friends, I am begging you, get tested. Thanks so much, everybody. My name is Harriet Kimmick. Thank you for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. This is as down to earth as I can get. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a happy day. Enjoy your Tuesday. It's a terrific Tuesday. We're still going to make it terrific, right? Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.